Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTSNet2Go. In this podcast, you will be exposed to one of the roundtables that will show you what surgeons today are talking about. Hi, and welcome to CTSNet. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I've assembled a group of experts to talk to you today about multifocal lung cancer. We'll start by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Scott Swanson. I'm a thoracic surgeon at the Brigham Women's Hospital in Boston. I'm Shanda Blackman from Mayo Clinic Rochester, and I'm also a thoracic surgeon. I'm Tommy D'Amico, a thoracic surgeon at the Duke Cancer Institute. Mark Onetis, a thoracic surgeon at UCSD in La Jolla, California. So we know that the incidence of multifocal lung cancer is reported to be between 0.2 to 20% in the literature and has increased with the use of multi-slice spiral CT and PET scanning. Lung bronchoalveolar carcinoma, now commonly called adenocarcinoma in situ, it continues to represent a poorly understood entity and has a frequent clinical problem that we face on a daily basis. With the adoption of low-dose CT scan for lung cancer screening of high-risk groups, the detection of multifocal lung cancer is expected to further increase. To address this issue, we've organized a group of experts to discuss their management, strategy goals, the way that they do their research, and potential review of future technology that may help these patients with a focus on minimally invasive lung surgery as well. With that, I'll start with a few questions. So Dr. Swanson, how do you particularly approach patients with multiple synchronous primary ground glass opacities? Uh, it's a good question. I think that the real issue is knowing what you're dealing with. What we typically see is a CAT scan and a patient, the CAT scan has multiple spots on it, and you really don't know what they are, and you therefore need to make a clinical decision based on an x-ray. And so typically, if there's a concerning lesion among all of them that looks particularly concerning for cancer, we'll treat the patient according to that lesion, and what to do about the other spots depends on how concerning they look. And, and, and clearly one of the most important principles is marrying the procedure to the patient. So if they're high risk, they're an older person with a lot of comorbidities and not, uh, not doing well, then you're gonna minimize what you do. And if somebody's young and robust, you're gonna be more aggressive. Most of the time, one of the lesions will be a cancer. The question is how aggressive is that cancer gonna behave? So, so we don't always start with a pre-op lung biopsy. Uh, it depends on the patient, but that might be a place to start. Dr. D'Amico, what do you think with regard to the multifocal lung cancer? Do you start with surveilling those patients? Do you wait until it's part solid? What kind of characteristics prompt you to go after those patients with surgery or a biopsy? I think it depends on how much solid component there is in one of them. If, if you have multiple pure GGOs less than two centimeters, I would probably get a scan to follow it because some of these go away. Some of them aren't cancer. Um, it depends if they are uh, on the same side or if the other one's contralateral. Um, but if it's uh, uh, the same side, two in the same lobe, 
one is larger than three centimeters, I would probably proceed to surgery um, as the first step if it's larger than three centimeters. If they're smaller in multiple different lobes, I'd probably give them a chance to either grow, which they may not often in three to six months, but they often get more dense, which is a sign of growth. So Dr. Anitis, you've got a two centimeter ground glass opacity with a part solid lesion. How would you resect that? In that case, usually I would start with a segment, um, try to do a thoracoscopic segment, uh, get it out, then you have a diagnosis and you have a what should be a cancer operation for a well-differentiated low-grade tumor. Um, that's what I would usually do if it's in a, in a, in a spot where there, it's amenable to a segment. You would go right to segment without a wedge? Depends. I mean, if it's deep in a segment, I would do the segment. If it's easy to wedge it, it's yeah. possible to wedge. I mean, it's most likely going to be cancer. Many times doing the wedge makes the segment harder in a way. So right. um, if they're not going to lose a lot of lung, they have good lung function, they're relatively nervous about cancer, many times I'll just go straight to segment. It just depends. And do you do anything different if it's adenocarcinoma in situ versus microinvasive adenocarcinoma? Good question. Uh, if there's multifocal lesions, some are solid, I might consider mediastinal evaluation before going after the, the lung lesion. That would be the one thing I might add to what Dr. Anaitis said. But yeah, I, I think we do marry the operation and treatment to the pathology. The less uh, aggressive or the more differentiated the tumor, the less aggressive the surgery you need to do. And the more aggressive the tumor, the wider the margin, the more aggressive lymph node dissection and, and potentially adjuvant therapy. So, uh, yeah, as, as the aggressiveness of the histology increases, then my concern around aggressive surgery increases. So, Dr. Dumiko, we talked about adenocarcinoma in situ, microinvasive adenocarcinoma, tailoring the surgery. What about the preoperative workup? Do you do anything besides mediastinal staging? Do you agree with Dr. Swanson? Well, a, a lot of patients that have anything that crosses someone's suspicious line will have already had a PET scan, which I think is really of little value in these patients unless there's a significant solid component. Um, That's an important point. Right. So it may have already been obtained in general. There's, I don't think there's any role for brain imaging. And I think the decision about mediastinal staging is based on the size of the solid component. If it's as, as much as two centimeters in diameter, there's no question we'll do pathologic mediastinal staging first, but that level of solid component is usually not seen in something that's considered a GGO. Right. Mark, anything that you would do different? No, I think those are the criteria that I would follow as well. Two centimeters is sort of my cutoff for mediastinal staging, and clearly if the solid component is less than one centimeter, PET's gonna be useless for the primary tumor and for anywhere else. So interestingly, we just looked back at all of our multifocal ground glass opacities and solid lesions and looked at all the patients that ended up absolutely confirming to be multifocal primary lung cancers or metastatic, but they were early stage appearing, maybe on both sides of the chest. And we found that if the mediastinum was negative, we went ahead with resection uh, primarily. And then in that cohort, we found that there was a 6% rate of undetected brain metastasis. Mm. So now we've added brain MRI to those patients because we never used to think that there would be, but in the small group of patients that did for some reason get a brain MRI, we found a 6% rate. So that was surprising. And that's before you did the surgery or after? You well, I think, they, the I think they found it before surgery and it changed therapy. It was significantly, you know, found and then changed what we did. So, at what point would you re recommend ablation over <coughs> surgery? 
for multifocal lung cancer? Yeah, I think poor pulmonary function, if one's bigger than another, frequently we would do resection on one side and then either ablation or FDRT on the other. Um, certainly for recurrence in that situation as well. Do you agree? Um, I th in principle, yes. I, th I think surgery, in my opinion, gives a better outcome than SPRT for most scenarios in terms of local occurrence, nodal staging, tissue for molecular. So, uh, and not all lesions are the same. Uh, so I think if you can safely, meaning um, with little risk to the patient and also preservation for quality of life, do multiple operations, I would do that first. If you've exhausted that because they are high risk, then I think SBRT is reasonable. Um, but I do think surgery should be the first line, even for the second or third lesions, if you can do it with a good operation. And then Dr. D'Amico, if you have a patient that you're doing surgery for and they repeatedly have these multifocal lung cancers and you've done repetitive resections, the advantage of VATS is that you can go back and re-intervene and there's less scar tissue and you can still do anatomic resections. Would you ever perform a completion pneumonectomy for another one of these if they'd had a partial resection on the other side? I think it depends on how long it's been since the last resection. If this is the third resection on the left side and he, the person had multiple parts of the upper and lower lobes out and it had been six years, I might consider that. If the last operation was three months ago, I'd be less inclined to do it. I think that that's a good role for ablation when it's going to save a patient a pneumonectomy. And there are also some patients that don't need any surgery. They just need to watch them for a while. If they're not likely to die of this particular lesion um, and it's a pure GGO, um, some of those can just be watched. Right, it's an indolent cancer and won't be the thing that kills the 90-year-old who comes in the door with multiple both-sided indolent cancers. Yeah, I think of it sort of like a horse race. You know, you're watching all these lesions trying to figure out which one's going to turn aggressive and then you jump on that one. But until you know, close surveillance is a great idea. So what does the group think about genetic testing? Do you do genetic reflex testing for all of these? No, I think there's data from China that most of these GGOs are, have different drivers. So, you know, if you test one and it's EGFR, the likelihood that the second one's EGFR is actually relatively low. So what do you think about any targeted therapy? If someone progresses, has multifocal GGOs, you're starting to think maybe I'm not going to resect all these, maybe they have more comorbidities, at what point would you start them on some type of targeted therapy? So I think they need to be progressing, not surgical candidates, and symptomatic to get targeted therapy, i.e. getting short of breath, their coughs getting worse. Uh, something that suggests a palliative approach is going to be a good idea. And that, in that case, then we'd go forward. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, if you think it's stage four disease and the one they're all spreading from an index lesion, sure. Um, but you know, you kind of have to know what you're treating and what to expect. In a, but in a palliative symptomatic patient, sure, I think it's probably going to get started. So and the, there are lipidic pattern tumors that are not the indolent GGOs that we said. So you can operate on a patient that has lipidic tumor, and they recur through erogenous spread they need to be treated. They, they do become symptomatic, and so it is a ground glass tumor, but it's slightly different than the GGOs that we usually uh, discuss. And has this new entity of spread through airway spaces or STAS changed your management in any way? 
I think you have to be careful on your resection margin. You know, if they see that and they can tell you about it, you've got to be a wider margin or you're going to have more likely a local recurrence. Beyond that, I'm not sure I know what to make of it yet. So do you think if you saw it on a segmentectomy, it would prompt you to do a lobectomy? So. Stas spread through airway spaces on the, mic on the micro microscopic view. If, if it's already a close segmentectomy, two point some centimeters in a GGO, I would definitely, depending on the lobe, of course, and the patient's lung function, I would definitely consider converting it to a lobectomy. Yeah. Would you go back to the OR for that? If you got it back on a final path, or would you just watch? I would watch. Yeah, I agree with that. Any other comments that you'd like to make regarding these findings? Certainly an entity we're seeing more of, and I, I do think we don't have it figured out, but I think surgeons need to be involved in the decision-making for sure. If it goes to SBRT land or medical oncology, I've noticed they don't always weigh the variables the same way we would, so we need to be at the table. And I think we probably need to mandate that those patients that are getting referred for ablation or radiation therapy get seen by a surgeon to agree that they're not a surgical candidate, because I do think when we looked at patients who got SBRT in our institution and those that failed SBRT, some of those patients were treated surgically. So you do think maybe it would be a good idea to make sure surgeons have seen them. And I think you know bronchoscopic navigational ablation is coming and we have to own that and take care of the patients with it and that's going to help in this context as well. Great. And the emphasis should still be on anatomic resection for most of the first-time surgeries um, until we know more about our own um, North American survival from GGOs, uh, especially lesions that are considerably larger than a centimeter that if the patient can tolerate an anatomic segmentectomy should still be the procedure of choice and not a wedge. Correct. Well, thank you for your attention on this CTS Net series talking about multifocal lung cancer spread through airway spaces or STAS, adenocarcinoma in situ, and microinvasive adenocarcinoma from this expert panel. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to CTS Net to Go, your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTS Net by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTS Net Video, by following at ctsnet.org on Twitter or by liking CTS Net's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTS Net to Go. Have a great day.